Good morning. Good morning. Hey, listen, I, I, I know you joined me in saying how much we appreciate the worship team here today all the time. Listen, they, they have heard God's call in them, and they use their gifts to come to us every, every week, year after year, and usher us into a place of worship, and that's very special. We're so glad that you yield to God in the use of your gifts that way. Now, he's not here today, but I'm going to bridge off of that and say we are also blessed to have a pastor named Lowell Kenyon. I mean, oh my goodness. The level of his instruction, his teaching is so rich and so valuable. I work in higher education. If he took this game to the college and framed it in a course called New Testament Christianity or something like that, it would be an awesome course, a popular course, a good return on the tuition dollar. Lowell, we are so <laughs> thankful for you and the way you uh, bring the word to us all the time. Sometimes he gets up here and makes a statement and I sit back there and go, I'm, I'm not sure about that. If I'm I don't know if I'm on board, but by the time he creates the context, the cultural relevance, and all the, the things he does to it, I'm like, I've believed that my whole life. I just didn't know it. So thank God for Lowell and uh, for Georgia and their, their family. I don't know where they are today, but I pray that they're having a, a very blessed morning. Uh, listen, I, I would like to, to tell you that it happened today. I was uh, preparing some more this morning, praying, reading over notes, and getting ready to come tell you how to follow Jesus in the promptings that you sense in you, that the Spirit prompts in you, how to act on those. And I got in the car, and I was halfway here, and the car in front of me slowed down to almost a crawl. And I was like, I'm, I, I, I got to go. I, I can't listen to the podcast later. I'm the podcast, you know? So... What happened was the flashers on the car came on, and it slowed down even more. I'm like, I've got to get around this person so I can go tell people about Jesus, you know. And so it hit me, uh, the, you know, the, the irony of that. So I had said, okay, I, I, I'm going to pull over. But fortunately, they got over in the left lane and right up into that Walmart parking lot into the gas pump before they ran out of gas. But oh my goodness, it was a little gut check there early this morning. Charlie, do you really believe what you're about to go talk about? So it happens. Listen, for the, for the next couple of minutes, I want you to try to enter into just a, um, a quiet space in your heart, in your soul. I want to read something to you. Uh, that I believe the Lord placed on my heart to, to read to you. And I want you to just be in a nice um, zone. Those of you online, if you'll just kind of put that coffee on a coaster and uh, just kind of relax, breathe, and, and just get into a quiet place as we begin our, our lesson this morning. The purpose of the message this morning has several parts. First, to bring hope. Hope to get through these crazy days. Hope knowing that God is firmly in control. Secondly, to invite you to consider what God has called you to in this chapter of your life. And thirdly, to not believe, to not believe that it's too late to start over. 
As believers in Christ, we must never think that we are finished, past our prime, or without purpose. So today I invite you to renew your faith, to consider your purpose, and to come to full belief that you are not done. And better than that, God's not done with you. If you are here or watching online and you're not a believer, we hope that what you hear in the next few moments is simply our honest heart and our response to a God who we believe has called us to do wonderful things in his name. We'll be honest with you. Sometimes we drift. We burn out. We lose our focus. Thank God we serve a Savior who never leaves our side. He doesn't welcome us back because he never leaves. We, on the other hand, welcome him back to the center of our lives, the center of our intentions, the center of our attention. And today we acknowledge that that's exactly where we want him. Some of you are walking through difficult days. It's tempting to throw in the towel and walk in the path of discouragement and despair. I want you to know that it's not over. It's not too late to renew the faith you once had in God who sees you and who will see you through. Let today be that day. The day you draw that line and say, God, I'm with you. I've given you my life already, but I want to give it to you again. I want to hear your voice and do your bidding. Remind me of the things you want to do through me and help me find the courage and the resolve to do them. So now I'd like to ask you to just pray with me. Lord God, during these unusual days, <laughs> we ask for clear vision Vision to see the paths that you would have us walk. We ask for clarity, strength, and renewal. We live in days that we cannot be together like we used to be. Even today, when we're together, we have to stay apart. So many things are on pause. But today, we say to you that we do not put our faith on pause. We do not put our passion on pause and our will to serve you. Please restore the joy of your salvation in us. Renew right spirits in us. Raise our awareness of the gifts that you have given us and the ways in which to use them to serve others and to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, amen. So, listen, here's the title of the sermon. Oh, Terry, I didn't even give you a title. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Here's the title. I'm not done yet. All right? I'm not done yet. All right? You say that. I'm not done yet. All right. I, I need you to get in here with me. I'm not done yet. It, keeping with the theme of Lowell's uh, uh, keeping with Lowell's theme of fake news, I guess if you frame this in fake news, the fake news today would be, it's too late to start over. See, that's fake news. 
It's too late to start over. That's fake news. I'm not done yet. Have you ever been in the middle of a project, any kind of project? You're about halfway done, and somebody comes in and sees where you are, and they make a little critical suggestion, right? And it just kind of gets under your skin, and you just want to scream, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not done yet, you know? Don't you ever feel that? Last week, I met a brother in Christ. We've been brothers for 30-plus years. We got together and had a meal together at a local restaurant, and we knew we were going to be there a long time, but we ordered our food. We're talking, we're talking, we're talking way more than we're eating, and time passes, and the server comes by and says, hey, would you like me to go ahead and take those plates from you? And we're like, um, no, we're, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Okay, so sometimes in life, you're invited to quit <laughs> before you're done. That can happen. But, it, but sadly, sometimes we are done. We're done. We're done with it. And sometimes it's even on things God put in our heart to do that somehow the, the passion to do it, the desire to do it, the resolve to do it somehow fades and withers, and, and we are done. Again, life will come along and invite us to quit. If that's you, then today's message uh, is for you, and, and, and I want you to walk out of here crying, I'm not done yet. Don't tell me I'm done, world, peers. I'm not done yet. Don't tell me I'm done. God's Word and His Spirit can renew, reinvigorate, and restore the passion that you may once have had to hear and act and serve others. I've been reading a book, and it's by pastor and author Erwin McManus, and it's called The Last Arrow, and it's a wonderful book. The, the, the main idea in the book is to finish life well with no regrets, and he uses the, the scripture metaphor to say, I want to die with my quiver empty. In other words, he wants to have shot all of his arrows <laughs> before he dies, and I love, I love that metaphor right there. Um, but in that book, he said something, and it's just been stuck and haunting with me for, for several days. And this is what he says. What God has started in you, he wants to finish through you. Mm. And I believe that. And then he asked the question, what has God called you into, but somehow you lost your resolve, your faith, and ultimately the opportunity? Opportunity. Okay, that's what we should talk about here in just a moment opportunities right what are those they're opportunities to do something that shines light on Jesus they're opportunities to serve someone and give God the glory opportunities to do that and so we're going to be talking a little bit about opportunities um, but I want to tell you as I've told myself even though there are things we may have quit on in the past, we don't have to be defined by that. We don't have to be defined by that. We, we can be finishers. We can be finishers, and we, and we will be finishers. Um, I want to be a finisher of the things God has placed in my heart to do. So where do we turn? Well, we turn to the Scriptures today. And today we're spending a little bit of time in the Old Testament, and we're going to go back here to the book of Joshua chapter 14, and then we're going to go to, to verse 6. And by the way, um, uh, just a little, you know, just a little build up to what we're about to read. It's going to be a passage that's familiar to you. But, you know, Moses had led his, the Israelites to the promised land, and then uh, 
12 people were sent out to study the land and come back with reports about the land, and then the land would be divided, right? That's kind of a, a, a common thing that we're aware of. And then Moses couldn't go, uh, but then the, some priests and, and Joshua were saddled with the responsibility of dividing out the land. And, and that's kind of where we are when this passage starts. Now, this passage we're about to read first is like 45 years after um, they had spied out the land, okay? So we're in Joshua 14 and verse 6 through 15. And uh, if you'll just read along with me. Uh, now, the men, now there are some words in here I'm going to get tangled up on, all the ites, you know, and, and stuff like that. So just bear with me as I go through this. All right, here we go. Now, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. See, Caleb's like, hey, dude, we're bros. You remember this stuff? Come on. All right? That's kind of Caleb's attitude. All right? Uh, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. Young man, right? And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So that, uh, so on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, this is Caleb, he's back on Joshua. Now then, just as the Lord has promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. So, Caleb's getting up there, right? Math teachers, you can add quickly. You know, he's up there in the 80s, right? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, he kept me alive 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85. There's the answers. I'm always looking for the math answers. 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Then the land was at rest from war. Okay, if you don't love Caleb now, uh, man, I'm, I'm worried about you. Okay, Caleb's, Caleb's awesome. I've been using this phrase all week, I want to channel my inner Caleb, right? So that's what we, <laughs> we want to do. But listen, by the way, this is interesting. It's kind of a foreshadowing 
of, of Jesus. Caleb's going to go into battle for the land that his children will inherit forever. And there will, the lamb will be at rest from war. So in that way, Caleb's kind of a foreshadowing of Jesus. But wasn't it interesting that he said he came back from his report and gave his report according to his convictions? That's kind of an interesting phrase, right? How many times do you do that? You, somebody sends you out to check something out. You come back with the facts. You come back with the data. Not Caleb. He comes back with a report according to his convictions. Well, what are those convictions? Well, we go back. We're going to go shift on back in time, right? We're going to go back those 45 years and see something. So uh, in Numbers chapter 13, 26 through 30, okay, let's go there. All right, and so this is when Moses is still with us. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh of Paran. The, the, the spy mission is done. They're back. They're reporting. Okay? There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They brought back some stuff. You know, they brought back some fruit. They gave Moses this account. When... Uh, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's some of the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of the Anak there. These Goliath's cousins live there. The Amalekites live in Negev. The Hittites, Jesubites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Here's our man. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. They are spread among the Israelites. They're spread among the Israelites, a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. I have to focus on what Caleb said. We can surely do it. We can surely do it. In the face of all of that, Caleb is saying, that's the land that was promised. Yes, there's giants. Yes, there's enemies. But it's got milk and honey. It's got fruit. We can surely do it. And I love that about Caleb. But back to Joshua Dividing the land. Interesting phrase there, wasn't it? Joshua blessed Caleb with the land. Well, really, what did he bless? Bless, when we think of blessing, what did he bless him with? Land that was at total peace and serenity? No hardship, no conflict, no war? Absolutely not. He blessed him with land that was covered with all of that. What he blessed him with was an opportunity to step into another battle. And that causes me to think about 
when I ask for God's blessings on something. God, I want peace in my family. I want peace in my relationships. I want peace in, in, in my job and the people I work with. I want your blessing on that. And what I'm asking for is to just solve it. <laughs> make it beautiful. Make it easy. Make it restful. But I don't think that's exactly God's nature. It's certainly not in this, this case. It could be that God, like Joshua blessed Caleb, God is blessing us with an opportunity to step into a situation and bring peace. Maybe if I want peace in my family and I ask for the blessing of it, maybe God's telling me to step in and be the agent of peace. That's very powerful to me. I, I think it is to you. Um, we can surely do it, Caleb says. Well, basically, Caleb stole the notes, stole my notes, stole the title of my sermon. He's saying, I'm not done yet. He's telling Joshua, look, I'm not done yet. I'm still strong. I'm still vigorous. We should channel our inner Caleb to fight for the things that have been promised to us. Fake news, it's too late to start over. That's fake. You can start over. And when we talk about acting on things we feel like God has told us to do, that's sort of a, that's, that's an entirely different study that we could go into, couldn't we? I mean, there's all kinds of ways. When you dig through the scripture, you find all kinds of way, ways God speaks to his people. Through his word, that's, that's the primary one right there, is through his word. And, uh, you know, it's in, I think, in the book of Mark, very truly I say unto you, Jesus says that like 25 times, wise counsel, you know, is a way God's can, God speaks to us. Through prayer, God speaks to us, the still small voice that he speaks to us. But however he speaks to us, it's always consistent with the word. It's always consistent. If somebody is giving you spiritual guidance and there's not any kind of reference to the word or no accessibility to the word, uh, you need to question the guidance. This person needs to be somebody solid in the word, that, that wise counsel that God can use to speak through to you. And so, uh, we listen to what God says. We, we get promptings of what he would have us do. And we want to be finishers. Uh, so I'm asking you this question today. What are some things God may have stirred in you in the past that you've yet to act on? Or maybe it just faded away. I ask you this. What group are you in? The, the, the ten who came back and crumbled in fear, saw themselves as grasshoppers? Or do you see yourself more as Caleb? That I can overcome the opposition. And I can surely do it. That's the group I want to be in. The ones that serve the Lord wholeheartedly. I can surely do it. You see, I'm not done yet. By the way, the church is not done yet. The church is not done yet. Aren't there people out there that wish we were done? There's people out there just waiting to see on the other side of this pandemic if we're even going to be around. And I'm talking about globally. You know, and, and so there's people that want us to be done, but we're not done yet. And I know the church is not done yet. And one, one reason I know that is I work with a nonprofit group sometimes that takes items to the hospital. Uh, snacks, water, blankets, pillows, 
anything somebody might need that's in, in an ICU waiting room. You know, you've probably been there, and sometimes you've had to spend nights on uncomfortable couches. It's, it's that, kind of, that kind of work. And almost every time I walk in there with something, somebody in some part of the room says, oh, uh, what church are you from? The church is not done yet. They wouldn't ask that if the church didn't have your reputation for coming to help people. Right? The, the church is not done yet. People are still asking that. What, what church are you from? And to that, I'm thankful to our mothers and our fathers and our grandfathers and those Caleb's back there that fought and got that reputation. And so the church is not done yet either. Well, we're going to kind of try to wind up here in the next few minutes. Um, and I want to talk about opportunities because that's what we mentioned earlier is opportunities. All right. So uh, what about the, the, the ones that came back crumbled in fear, spread that message, saw themselves as grasshoppers? What about them? What, what, what did they do with their opportunity to go and check out this land and eventually take it? Well, what they did was they maximized the opposition by comparing their own strengths to the strengths of giants and giant people, right? And so that's why they felt like a grasshopper. And rightfully, you know, in some, some cases uh, with this, rightfully so, they probably did look like grasshoppers compared to them. But they maximized the opposition um, and compared their strength to the opposition's strength. And we, we can do that and do it all the time. Do it all the time. What did Caleb do? Caleb minimized the opposition by comparing God's strength to their strength. That's kind of what David did with Goliath. But they, he minimized the opposition. That's what set him up to have this attitude of, we can surely do it. Pastor uh, David Jeremiah, he's, he addresses this topic and he refers to a book. You may have heard of it. Uh, it was new to me. called The Power of Bad. The power of bad, <laughs> you know, and in the power of bad, these, uh, the psychologists that wrote it, Tierney and Bomeister, they say this, and this is a quote from the book, our brains are wired to give more importance to negative events than positive ones. Thus, bad events influence our decision making. And then it says, avoiding bad can become our goal. That's kind of what the, the 10 came back doing and suggesting. Let's avoid, let's avoid bad. But that was not what Caleb did. So opportunities, what are they? Well, I mentioned before my own definition today was an opportunity to do something God's prompting you to do so that what? So that you can shine light on Jesus, so you can glorify God before men that way. And so opportunities are interesting. And, and uh, this, was, this was something I learned from the book I studied um, that I mentioned earlier. They're big on the front end, and they're big on the back end, but they're very thin in the middle, right? On the front end of an opportunity, it's grand, right? I got an opportunity to speak this morning to River Valley Church, my favorite people, right? That's awesome. I can't wait. I love it. What's on the back end of that? 
Maybe somebody's saying, that was good, I needed to hear that, or that was good, I'm going to study that further. Thanks for sharing that word. That's neat, that's exciting, but what's in the middle is the study and the prayer and the, 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 the all kinds of anguish that goes into that. I don't know how Lowell do, does it. It still looks the way he does. It blows my mind, uh, but he does it somehow. But opportunities are big on the front, big on the back, thin in the middle. And that's a really neat way to think of an opportunity. And it's in the middle, in that thin part, where people bail out. They say, I'm done. I'm finished. That's where they're done. It's in that middle part where it gets tough. We're in that now, in this world right now, this time in history. We're in that middle. I'll just leave that one there for, for, for you to ponder. Um, but God has things he wants done that he can't do apart from us. Now, I'm not demeaning God's power, but he created us uniquely in our mother's womb. And he's given us specific gifts and purposes, and he gives us things to do. So, therefore, he needs us to follow through and do them and finish. Well, you're hearing a phrase now. Uh, as followers of Jesus, you know, we have an opportunity right now in this time in history to remain faithful serve God wholeheartedly during this time in history um, the beginning and end of this is exciting but we're in the middle of it um, I know you've heard this phrase I'm so done with 2020 you've heard it you may have said it I've said it I'm so done with this virus you know, I walked up to the booth a few minutes ago to say hey to Terry and Steve, and I'm up there uh, getting that top step and wondering where my mask is. You know, that's kind of weird. I'm so done with stuff like that, right? You felt it. But listen, body of Christ, we, we can't be in that crowd that says I'm so done with 2020. We can't be those people, right? We're not locusts. We're, we're children of God with a mission. We're to serve wholeheartedly during this time. It is an opportunity to shine light on Jesus and bring glory to God. And on the other side of this opportunity, we're standing strong and we're even better. And God, we keep praying that you'll just keep filling the seats, you know? And we can't do that if we go back and avoid bad. And I'm not talking about being unsafe in this time of the virus. That is not anywhere in this sermon. Wear your mask, do your things you're supposed to do like we're doing here today. That, that, that's not what I'm saying when I say, um, you know, avoid bad. I'm saying channel the inner, inner Caleb. We can't say I'm so done with 2020. We can't be in that crowd. We have opportunities to show strength, resolve, and faith. And we must do this for them. For them. Who's them? Well, I have a friend who's a um, dear friend, close friend. He's a devout atheist. He's the kindest person you will ever meet. 
you're going to want to dodge the subject of politics and religion. <laughs> Otherwise, he's the kindest person I know. And recently, uh, a family member became ill, and he reached out to me, and he said, you know I'm not religious, but I don't mind if you pray. That's why I've got to be like Caleb. That's why I can't be done with 2020. There's a songwriter, a performer. Some of you may know him and like him. His name is Sam Smith. Yeah. Well, he sings a song, and it, it's called Pray. I don't know if you've ever heard that song. But I'm going to share some of the lyrics of that song. I'm young and I'm foolish. I've made bad decisions. I block out the news, turn my back on religion. Don't have no degree. I'm somewhat naive. I've made it this far on my own. But lately, that ain't getting me higher. I lift my head and the world is on fire. There's dread in my heart and fear in my bones. And I just don't know what to say. Maybe I'll pray. Maybe I'll pray. I've never believed in you, no, but I'm going to pray. You won't find me in church, no. Reading the Bible, no. I'm still here, and I'm still your disciple. I'm down on my knees. I'm begging you, please. I'm broken and alone and afraid. I'm not a saint. I'm more of a sinner. I don't want to lose because I fear the winners. When I try to explain, the words run away. That's why I stood here today. And I'm going to pray, Lord. Maybe I'll pray. Pray for a glimmer of hope. Maybe I'll pray, Lord. Maybe I'll pray. I've never believed in you. No. But I'm going to pray. Won't you call me? Can we have a one-on-one, -on -one, please? Let's talk about freedom. Everybody prays in the end. Everybody prays in the end. Oh, won't you call me? Can we have a one-on-one, -on -one, please? Let's talk about freedom. Everyone prays in the end. Oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Pray for a glimmer of hope. Maybe I'll pray. I've never believed in you, but I'm going to pray. That's them. They're everywhere. They're all over. We... We can't be done. We have to continue to serve wholeheartedly. And we have to know God's promises and minimize that opposition and go take the land. That's what we are needing to do as believers. Well, um, you know there's resistance every time you try to do a good thing, <laughs> right? There's always some resistance. And you know there will be some when you do it. But please remember Caleb who said we can surely do it and serve God wholeheartedly. We're going to wrap up. Uh, I don't know if the band wants to sneak back in here. Um, we're going to close in just a moment. Um,
you know, we, we can't go back and just do everything we <laughs> think we should have done. That's not real realistic. But we can start today. And, and we know those things that God placed in us to do. We, we know. We know. And we can begin today anew, afresh with that. You see, Caleb wasn't done. I'm not done. You're not done. The church is not done. But most of all, God's not done. So let's have a prayer and uh, we'll be dismissed.